This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Stories for the Road. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, chapters 5 and 6 from Mark Twain's A Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. And now, chapter 5, An Inspiration. I was so tired that even my fears were not able to keep me awake long. When I next came to myself, I seemed to have been asleep a very long time. My first thought was, Well, what an astonishing dream I've had. I reckon I've waked only just in time to keep from being hanged, or drowned, or burned, or something. I'll nap again till the whistle blows, and then I'll go down to the arms factory and have it out with Hercules. But just then I heard the harsh music of rusty chains and bolts. A light flashed in my eyes, and that butterfly, Clarence, stood before me. I gasped with surprise. My breath almost got away from me. What? I said. You here yet? Go along with the rest of the dream. Scatter. "'but he only laughed in his light-hearted way "'and fell to making fun of my sorry plight. "'All right,' I said resignedly. "'Let the dream go on. I'm in no hurry. "'Prithee, what dream?' "'What dream? "'Why, the dream that I'm in Arthur's court, "'a person who never existed, "'and that I'm talking to you, "'who are nothing but a work of imagination.' "'Oh, la, indeed. "'And it is a dream that you're to be burned tomorrow. "'Ho, ho!' "'Answer me that!' "'The shock that went through me was distressing. "'I now began to reason that my situation was in the last degree serious, "'dream or no dream, "'for I knew by past experience of the lifelike intensity of dreams "'that to be burned to death, even in a dream, "'would be very far from being a jest, "'and was a thing to be avoided by any means, fair or foul, "'that I could contrive. "'So I said beseechingly, "'Ah, Clarence, good boy, only friend I've got, "'for you are my friend, aren't you?' "'Don't fail me. Help me to devise some way of escaping from this place. "'Now do but hear thyself. Escape. Why, man, the corridors are in guard, and keep of men-at-arms.' "'No doubt, no doubt. But how many, Clarence? Not many, I hope.' "'A full score. One may not hope to escape.' After a pause, hesitatingly. "'And there be other reasons, and weightier.' "'Other reasons? What are they?' "'Well, they say—' "'Oh, but I daren't. Indeed, daren't. "'Why, poor lad, what is the matter? "'Why do you blench? "'Why do you terrible so? "'Why do you tremble so?' "'Oh, in sooth, there is need. 
"'I do want to tell you, but... "'Come, come, be brave. "'Be a man. Speak out. "'Now there's a good lad.' "'He hesitated, pulled one way by desire, "'the other way by fear. "'Then he stole to the door and peeped out, listening, "'and finally crept close to me "'and put his mouth to my ear "'and told me his fearful news in a whisper, "'and with all the cowering apprehension "'of one who was venturing upon awful ground, "'and speaking of things whose very mention "'might be freighted with death.' "'Merlin, in his malice, has woven a spell about this dungeon, "'and there bides not the man in these kingdoms "'that would be desperate enough to essay to cross its lines with you. "'Now, God pity me, I've told it. "'Ah, be kind to me, be merciful to a poor boy who means thee well, "'for an thou art betray me, for if thou betray me, I'm lost.' "'I laughed at the only really refreshing laugh I'd had for some time, and shouted, "'Merlin has wrought a spell? Merlin, forsooth!' "'That cheap old humbug! That maundering old ass! "'Bosh! It's pure bosh! The silliest bosh in the world! "'Why, it does seem to me that of all the childish, idiotic, "'chuckle-headed, chicken-livered superstitions that... "'Oh, damn, Merlin!' "'But Clarence had slumped to his knees before he had half-finished, "'and he was like to go out of his mind with fright. "'Oh, beware! These are awful words! "'Any moment these walls may crumble upon us if you say such things! "'Oh, call them back before it's too late!' Now this strange exhibition gave me a good idea, and set me to thinking. If everybody about here was so honestly and sincerely afraid of Merlin's pretended magic as Clarence was, certainly a superior man like me ought to be shrewd enough to contrive some way to take advantage of such a state of things. I went on thinking, and worked out a plan. Then I said, Get up. Pull yourself together. Look me in the eye. Do you know why I laughed? No, but for our blessed lady's sake, don't do it any more. "'Well, I'll tell you why I laughed. "'Because I'm a magician myself.' "'Thou?' "'The boy recoiled a step and caught his breath, "'for the thing hit him rather sudden, "'but the aspect which he took on was very, very respectful. "'I took quick note of that. "'It indicated that a humbug didn't need to have a reputation in this asylum. "'People stood ready to take him at his word. "'Without that, I resumed. "'I've known Merlin seven hundred years, and he—' Seven huh? Don't interrupt me. He has died and come alive again thirteen times, and traveled under a new name every time. Smith, Jones, Robinson, Jackson, Peters, Haskins, Merlin. A new alias every time he turns up. I knew him in Egypt three hundred years ago. I knew him in India five hundred years ago. He's always blathering around in my way, everywhere I go. He makes me tired. He don't amount to shucks as a magician. He knows some of the old common tricks, but he's never got beyond the rudiments, and never will. He is well enough for the provinces. One night stands, you know, that sort of thing. But dear me, he should not be setting up as an expert. Anyway, not where there's a real artist. Now look here, Clarence. I'm going to stand your friend, right along, and in return you must be mine. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to get word to the king that I am a magician myself. "'and the supreme grand, high you muckamuck and head of the tribe, at that. "'And I want him to be made to understand "'that I am just quietly arranging a little calamity here "'that will make the fur fly in these realms "'if Sir Kay's project is carried out, and any harm comes to me. "'Will you get that to the king for me?' "'The poor boy was in such a state that he could hardly answer me. "'It was pitiful to see a creature so terrified, so unnerved, so demoralized. "'But he promised everything.' 
and on my side he made me promise over and over again that I would remain his friend, and never turn against him or cast any enchantments upon him. Then he worked his way out, staying himself with his hand along the wall, like a sick person. Presently this thought occurred to me. How heedless I have been! When the boy gets calm, he will wonder why a great magician like me should have begged a boy like him to help me get out of this place. He will put this and that together, and will see that I am a humbug. I worried over that heedless blunder for an hour, and called myself a great many hard names, meantime. But finally it occurred to me, all of a sudden, that these animals didn't reason, that they never put this and that together, that all their talk showed that they didn't know a discrepancy when they saw it. I was then at rest. But as soon as one is at rest, in this world, off he goes on something else to worry about. It occurred to me that I had made another blunder. I had sent the boy off to alarm his betters with a threat. I intended to invent a calamity at any leisure. Now the people who are the readiest and eagerest in willingness to swallow miracles are the very ones who are hungriest to see you perform them. Suppose I should be called on for a sample. Suppose I should be asked to name my calamity. Yes, I'd made a blunder. I ought to have invented my calamity first. What shall I do? What can I say to gain a little time? I was in trouble again, in the deepest kind of trouble. There's a footstep. They're coming. If I had only just a moment to think. Good! I've got it. I'm all right. You see, it was the eclipse. It came into my mind in the nick of time, how Columbus or Cortez or one of those people played an eclipse as a saving trump once on some savages, and I saw my chance. I could play it myself, now, and it wouldn't be any plagiarism either, because I should get it nearly a thousand years ahead of those parties. Clarence came in, subdued, distressed, and said, I hasted the message to our liege the king, and straightway he had me to his presence. He was frighted even to the marrow, and was minded to give order for your instant enlargement, and that you be clothed in the fine raiment, and lodged and befitted one so great. But then came Merlin, and spoiled all, for he persuaded the king that you are mad, and know not whereof you speak, and said your threat is but foolishness, and idle vaporing. They disputed long, but in the end Merlin, scoffing, said, Wherefore hath he not named his brave calamity? Verily it is, because he cannot. This thrust did in a most sudden sort close the king's mouth, and he could offer not to turn the argument, and so, reluctant, and full loath to do you the discourtesy, he yet prayeth you to consider this perplexed case, as noting how the matter stands, and name the calamity, if so be you have determined the nature of it, and the time of its coming. Oh, prithee delay not! To delay at such a time were to double and treble the perils that already compass thee about. Oh, be thou wise! Name the calamity! I allowed silence to accumulate while I got my impressiveness together, and then said, How long have I been shut up in this hole? Ye were shut up when yesterday was well spent. It is nine in the morning now. Then I have slept well, sure enough. Nine in the morning now? and yet it is the very complexion of midnight to a shade. This is the twentieth, then. The twentieth, yes. And I am to be burned alive to-morrow. The boy shuddered. At what hour? At high noon. Now, then, I will tell you what to say. I paused, and stood over that cowering lad a whole minute in awful silence. Then, in a voice deep, measured, charged with doom, I began, and rose by dramatically graded stages to my colossal climax, 
"'which I delivered in a sublime and noble way "'as ever I did such a thing in my life. "'Go back and tell the king "'that at that hour I will smother the whole world "'in the dead blackness of midnight. "'I will blot out the sun, "'and he shall never shine again. "'The fruits of the earth shall rot "'for lack of light and warmth, "'and the peoples of the earth shall famish and die "'to the last man.' "'I had to carry the boy out myself. "'He sunk into such collapse. "'I handed him over to the soldiers and went back. "'We'll return with Chapter 6, "'right after these sponsor messages. "'Discover why critics are calling "'Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes "'the best film of the franchise. "'What a wonderful day!' "'It's a jaw-dropping spectacle "'that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible.' We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Chapter 6, The Eclipse. In the stillness and the darkness, realization soon began to supplement knowledge. The mere knowledge of a fact is pale, but when you come to realize your fact, it takes on color. It is all the difference between hearing of a man being stabbed to the heart and seeing it done. In the stillness and the darkness, the knowledge that I was in deadly danger took to itself deeper and deeper meaning all the time. The knowledge that I was in deadly danger took to itself deeper and deeper meaning all the time, a something which was realization crept inch by inch throughout my veins and turned me cold. But it is a blessed provision of nature that at times like these, as soon as a man's mercury has got down to a certain point, there comes a revulsion, and he rallies. Hope springs up, and cheerfulness along with it, and then he is in good shape to do something for himself, if anything can be done. When my rally came, it came with a bound. I said to myself that my eclipse would be sure to save me and make me the greatest man in the kingdom besides, and straightway my mercury went up to the top of the tube, and my solicitudes all vanished. I was as happy a man as there was in the world. I was even impatient for tomorrow to come, so I wanted to gather in that great triumph and be the center of all the nation's wonder and reverence. Besides, in a business way, it would be the making of me. I knew that. Meantime, there was one thing which had got pushed into the background of my mind. That was the half-conviction that when the nature of my proposed calamity should be reported to those superstitious people, it would have such an effect that they would want to compromise. So, by and by, when I heard footsteps coming, that thought was recalled to me, and I said to myself, As sure as anything, it's the compromise. Well, if it is good, all right, I will accept. But if it isn't, I mean to stand my ground, "'and play my hand for all it is worth.' "'The door opened, and some men-at-arms appeared. "'The leader said, "'The stake is ready. Come.' "'The stake? "'The strength went out of me, and I almost fell down. "'It's hard to get one's breath at such a time, 
"'Such lumps come into one's throat, and such gaspings. "'But as soon as I could speak, I said, "'But this is a mistake. "'The execution is tomorrow. "'Order changed. "'Been set forward today. "'Hasty!' "'I was lost. "'There was no help for me. "'I was dazed, stupefied. "'I had no command over myself. "'I only wandered purposely about, "'like one out of his mind. "'So the soldiers took hold of me "'and pulled me along with them, "'out of the cell "'and along the maze of underground corridors, "'and finally into the fierce glare of daylight "'and the upper world. "'As we stepped into the vast enclosed court of the castle, "'I got a shock, "'for the first thing I saw was the stake, "'standing in the center, "'and near it, the piled wood faggots, and a monk. On all four sides of the court, the seated multitudes rose rank above rank, forming sloping terraces that were rich with color. The king and the queen sat in their thrones, the most conspicuous figures there, of course. To note all this occupied but a second. The next second, Clarence had slipped from some place of concealment and was pouring news into my ear, his eyes beaming with triumph and gladness. He said, "'Tis through me the change was wrought, "'and main heart have I worked to do it, too. "'But when I revealed to them the calamity in store, "'and saw how mighty was the terror it did engender, "'then saw I also that this was the time to strike. "'Wherefore I diligently pretended, "'unto this, and that, and the other one, "'that your power against the sun "'could not reach its full until the morrow. "'And so if any would save the sun and the world, "'you must be slain today, "'while your enchantments are but in the weaving, "'and lack potency.' "'Odds bodikins, it was but a dull lie and most indifferent invention, "'but you should have seen them seize it and swallow it "'in the frenzy of their fright, "'as it were their salvation sent from heaven. "'And all the while I was laughing in my sleeve the one moment "'to see them so cheaply deceived, "'and by glorifying God the next, "'that he was content to let the meanest of his creatures "'be his instrument to the saving of thy life. "'Ah, how happy has the matter sped! "'Ah, forget that not! "'On your soul, forget it not!' "'Only make a little darkness, only the littlest little darkness, mind, and cease with that. "'It will be sufficient. They will see that I spoke falsely. "'Being ignorant, as they will fancy, and with the falling of the first shadow of that darkness, "'you shall see them go mad with fear, and they will set you free and make you great. "'Go to thy triumph now, but remember, ah, good friend, I implore thee, remember my supplication, "'and do the blessed son no hurt, for my sake.' "'thy true friend.' "'I choked out some words "'through my grief and misery, "'as much to say I would spare the son, "'for which the lad's eyes paid me back "'with such deep and loving gratitude "'that I had not the heart to tell him "'his good-hearted foolishness had ruined me "'and sent me to my death. "'As the soldiers assisted me across the court, "'the stillness was so profound "'that if I had been blindfolded, "'I would have supposed I was in a solitude "'instead of walled in by four thousand people.' There was not a movement perceptible in those masses of humanity. They were as rigid as stone images, and as pale, and dread sat upon every countenance. This hush continued while I was being chained to the stake. It still continued while the faggots were carefully and tediously piled about my ankles, my knees, my thighs, my body. Then there was a pause, and a deeper hush, if possible, and a man knelt down at my feet with a blazing torch. The multitude strained forward, gazing, "'and parting slightly from their seats without knowing it. "'The monk raised his hands above my head "'and his eyes toward the blue sky "'and began some words in Latin. "'In this attitude he droned on and on, "'a little while, and then stopped. 
I waited two or three moments, then looked up. He was standing there, petrified. With a common impulse, the multitude rose slowly up and stared into the sky. I followed their eyes, as sure as guns. There was my eclipse beginning. The life went boiling through my veins. I was a new man. The rim of black spread slowly into the sun's disk. My heart beat higher and higher, and still the assemblage and the priest stared into the sky, motionless. I knew that this gaze would be turned upon me next. When it was, I was ready. I was in one of the most grand attitudes I ever struck, with my arm stretched up, pointing to the sun. It was a noble effect. You could see the shudder sweep the mass like a wave. Two shouts rang out, one close upon the heels of the other. Apply the torch. I forbid it. The first was from Merlin, the second from the king. Merlin started from his place to apply the torch himself, I judged. I said, Stay where you are. If any man moves, even the king, before I give him leave, I will blast him with thunder. I will consume him with lightnings. The multitude sank meekly into their seats, and I was just expecting they would. Merlin hesitated a moment or two, and I was on pins and needles during that little while. Then he sat down, and I took a good breath, for I knew I was master of the situation now. The king said, "'Be merciful, fair sir, and essay no further in this perilous matter, lest disaster follow. It was reported to us that your powers could not attain unto their full strength until the morrow, but—' "'Your majesty thinks the report may have been a lie?' "'It was a lie.' That made an immense effect. Up went appealing hands everywhere, and the king was assailed with a storm of supplications that I might be bought off at any price, and the calamity stayed. The king was eager to comply. He said, "'Name any terms, reverend sir, even to the having of my kingdom, but banish this calamity, spare the sun.' My fortune was made. I would have taken him up in a minute, but I couldn't stop an eclipse. The thing was out of the question, so I asked time to consider. The king said, "'How long, good sir? Be merciful. Look, it groweth darker, moment by moment. Prithee, how long?' "'Not long. Half an hour.' "'Maybe an hour.' "'There were a thousand pathetic protests, "'but I couldn't shorten up any, "'for I couldn't remember how long a total eclipse lasts. "'I was in a puzzled condition, anyway, "'and wanted to think. "'Something was wrong about that eclipse, "'and the fact was very unsettling. "'If this wasn't the one I was after, "'how was I to tell whether this was the sixth century "'or nothing but a dream? "'Dear me, if I could only prove it was the latter! "'Here was a glad new hope. "'If the boy was right about the date,' and this was surely the twentieth. It wasn't the sixth century. I reached for the monk's sleeve, in considerable excitement, and asked him what day of the month it was. Hang him! He said it was the twenty-first! It made me turn cold to hear him. I begged him not to make any mistake about it, but he was sure. He knew it was the twenty-first. So, that feather-headed boy had botched things again. The time of the day was right for the eclipse. I had seen that for myself in the beginning, "'by the dial that was nearby. "'Yes, I was in King Arthur's court, "'and I might as well make the most out of it I could. "'The darkness was steadily growing, "'the people becoming more and more distressed. "'I now said, "'I have reflected, Sir King. "'For a lesson, I will let this darkness proceed "'and spread night in the world, "'but whether I blot out the sun for good or restore it "'shall rest with you. "'These are the terms, to wit. "'You shall remain king over all your dominions, and receive all the glories and honors that belong to the kingship. 
"'but you shall appoint me your perpetual minister and executive, "'and give me for my services one percent "'of such actual increase of revenue "'over and above its present amount "'as I may succeed in creating for the state. "'If I can't live on that, "'I shan't ask anybody to give me a lift. "'Is it satisfactory?' "'There was a prodigious roar of applause, "'and out of the midst of it the king's voice rose, saying, "'Away with his bonds, and set him free, "'and do him homage.' "'high and low, rich and poor, "'for he has become the king's right hand, "'and clothed with power and authority, "'and his seat is upon the highest step of the throne. "'Now sweep away this creepy night "'and bring the light and cheer again, "'that all the world may bless thee. "'But I said, "'That a common man should be shamed before the world is nothing, "'but it were dishonor to the king "'if any that saw his minister naked "'should not also see him delivered from his shame. "'If I might ask that my clothes be brought again?' "'The king broke in. "'Fetch raiment of another sort. "'Clothe him like a prince.' "'My idea worked. "'I wanted to keep things as they were "'until the eclipse was total, "'otherwise they would be trying again "'to get me to dismiss the darkness, "'and of course I couldn't do it. "'Sending for the clothes gained some delay, "'but not enough, "'so I had to make another excuse. "'I said it would be but natural "'if the king should change his mind "'and repent to some extent "'of what he had done under excitement. "'Therefore I would let the darkness grow a while.' "'and if at the end of a reasonable time "'the king kept his mind the same, "'the darkness should be dismissed. "'Neither the king nor anybody else "'was satisfied with that arrangement, "'but I had to stick to my point. "'It grew darker and darker "'and blacker and blacker "'while I struggled with those awkward "'sixth-century clothes. "'It got to be pitch dark at last, "'and the multitude groaned with horror "'to feel the cold, uncanny night breezes "'fan through the place "'and see the stars come out "'and twinkle in the sky.' At last the eclipse was total, and I was very glad of it, but everybody else was in misery, which was quite natural. I said, The king, by his silence, still stands to the terms. Then I lifted up my hands, stood just so a moment, then I said, with the most awful solemnity, Let the enchantment dissolve and pass harmless away. There was no response, for a moment, in that deep darkness and that graveyard hush, but when the silver rim of the sun pushed itself out, a moment or two later, the assemblage broke loose with a vast shout and came pouring down like a deluge to smother me with blessings and gratitude. And Clarence was not the last of the wash, to be sure. If you're enjoying A Connecticut Yankee by Mark Twain here at 1001 Stories for the Road, please do, especially you Apple listeners, send us a review. We appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. And also, please share our show with others. We also appreciate that very much. Thank you. Until next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.